Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Boy, let me tell you about all the things going on this offseason, not only in Flyerland, but around the league. Yes, that was the sound of crickets. If I had like a soundboard in here, I'd I'd do that, but I'm just sitting at my desk. It's not going to happen. Not a whole lot going on, but we are here to uh, fulfill our contractual obligation. <laughs> to put out a flyer show for you. Uh, and before we get to the intros, I just want to tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And with that now behind us, we can get into the intros and lead it off with... Oh, there is no fly by yourself. Uh, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. Hey, so... In exciting Broad Street hockey news, we have scheduled Festivus. Our <laughs> Festivus party is going to be December 22nd, so mark your calendars. The Philadelphia Flyers will be in Detroit, and we will be at Sports and Social Inside Live Casino down in Philadelphia. So that's what we have going on in this August. That is tremendous. We usually don't start planning uh early enough it's it seems like it's all right now we got to figure it out and then suddenly it's okay well Steph probably has this uh we'll see and it always comes together uh but man we're ahead of schedule look at us super ahead of schedule so it should be just as fun as our um draft party it'll be the same type of setup um so definitely come and hang out with us I believe I'm flying up just for the party. Love to hear that. I believe I am. Believe. I have not checked with Ed yet, but um, I believe I'm flying <laughs> up just for the party. What's he going to say? No. So come definitely on. try and come. It'll be a great time. Yeah, after after missing the draft party and hearing how much fun that was, I definitely want to check out uh, Festivus this year. I don't think I've ever missed a Festivus, but who's to say? Uh, last but certainly not least, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, everybody. So, uh, I guess earlier this week, I, I kind of had a, uh, like, my dark night moment where, you know, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain because people got real, real mad at me. 
um, because I wasn't sufficiently excited about Matt Bay Mitchkoff in a preseason game against an under-23 Russian team. Um, I pointed out in one tweet, like, hey, like, cool to get excited about Mitchkoff because he's awesome, but, like, this game doesn't matter, and it really doesn't have any value in terms of evaluating how good he's going to be. And, like, people lost their minds. They were real mad. And it's like, I guess my thing, and I think this is like a twofold thing. Number one, and this is something I will hold to in any sport. I think any sports preseason is the biggest fucking joke in the world. And, like, it should, like I hate preseason. I hate it. Because all it is is, all it is is a time for A— players to get injured B owners to make more money than they should over off of games that don't matter and C fans to get overly excited about guys because they happen to play well in meaningless games and convince them that they're actually a lot better than they are so I am very much not a preseason fan that's number one number two and I think this kind of hit me today because then today there was a three-on-three tournament that Mitchkoff was involved in another preseason tournament, which again, people are like, are we allowed to get excited about this, Charlie? And I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's real good, so sure. But again, it's an exhibition game that's three on three. So like, don't be evaluating Mitchkoff based on this game or whatever. But I think what it partially might come down to for me, the reason why, like, is, don't get me wrong, I am very excited to see Matt Mitchkoff play. I'm just very excited to see Matt Mitchkoff play this year in games that actually will matter in standings and actually have competitive value. But I think one of the reasons might be is that, like, I watched a lot of Matt Mitchkoff in the, like, two, three months in the lead-up to the draft, really even before then. Because I wanted, I I have been circling on this like maybe he'll slip and the Flyers can luck into him by like January. So I've watched him a lot. I like for me watching these clips where he's doing these cool things. Like it's cool because it's fun and it's hockey. But like none of this is surprising to me. Like I've seen this for months. I think there's a lot of people who are watching him. Like they knew him as a concept, but this is the first yeah. time where like they're actually watching him play and they're like holy shit, this dude's awesome. And I guess my thing is, like, I no longer have that wow factor anymore because I've already been sufficiently wowed. Like, Mitchkoff doesn't have to convince me that he's going to be a super talented hockey player. I know this. I've watched him be a super talented hockey player for half a year now, and really longer if you're going back to, like, the international tournaments that I've seen. So, for me, watching him in a meaningless preseason game is like, all right, like, cool, but let's get to the games that actually matter so I can actually see if this guy's taken an even further step beyond where he was last year. Whereas everyone else, where this is the first time they're actually watching him on tape, they're losing their absolute shit because he's doing all these cool things. So I think that's probably where the disconnect is. But I get the sense that I was kind of villainized this week on social media, and that was a weird feeling. It's it's very funny. Charlie Yeah, right? It's it's just very funny because Charlie's like the original Mishkov fan. Yeah, but that's 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 what it comes down to is you've been on this for a while. Like you've been you were trying to convince me or at least like present the idea for a couple of months. Like oh no, it's a possibility. Like this thing is if you see where the Flyers obviously they weren't gonna unless they got extreme luck pick at the very top of the draft, and it was Charlie's just sitting there like. No, man, like, he he could very well fall, and a lot of it was, all right, but how far? Like, is he really, is he going to fall to seven? No, that's insane. And, of course, here we are, 
And Charlie's already done his homework. Like, that's when I started watching the highlights. I was like, dude, he – Mishkov does the Michigan, like, once on a, a regular basis. <laughs> it's just, it yeah, like it's, once a game. It's like – it's part of his repertoire. Like, it's not yeah. a special thing. He just does it. Yeah. And Charlie's like, yeah. Yeah, He. it's just, just who he is. And that was months ago at this point. So it's just funny to see everyone's catching up to you, Charlie, and now – like you, you've already had your oh my god moment yeah, with this dude. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Everyone else is having theirs now. Yeah, and I'm just like, I don't know. Like maybe don't do this in preseason. But you know what? If people want to want to geek out over how incredibly skilled this kid is, like sure, have have fun. Just remember that That's... this is preseason. These games aren't actually real. I was villainized on See, Twitter this I week d- for not liking a standing ovation. So, oh yeah, know, that that was your take, right? Steph, what were you gonna say? I disagree with you guys over preseason. I think preseason's a ton of fun. Because a lot of these guys, this is the only chance you're getting to see them. If you don't follow the team as closely as we do, like idiots, like preseason is a lot of the time. I mean, NHL preseason, by the way. I don't mean international preseason (laughs) or AHL preseason. NHL preseason is sometimes the only chance you get to watch some of these guys, and I think that's fun. I like. I think I, it serves the purpose of, like, if it's guys that aren't gonna play, and maybe it's their chance to make a team. If it's really the only time they're gonna wear this sweater, that's fine. But then, like, you should know that going in. Most yes. of this is a way, like, they're not making the team, or if they do, they're gonna be on the fourth line. They're probably not gonna score, like. You know, at the pace they have because they're borderline NHLers being given first line minutes because who the fuck else is playing? Like it's just the temperament, the tempered expectations. Yes. Always like and, I, and, I and, like seeing guys yeah. fight for spots and stuff, but it's a waste of time. Well, then on the flip side of that, like I, 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 it drives me nuts when I'll hear people complaining that like. Well, I watched three preseason games and Travis Konecki didn't do shit. It's like yeah, because why would he? The games are meaningless. Like, I, I think like, th- you grumpy old men. Do you remember when we had the fight about whether Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov were going to make the team that one year? That was fun. Yeah, that's fun because they were actually like for them in that particular relevant situation, players. preseason matter because you need to earn your job. That's the only element in my mind that is interesting about preseason is guys fighting, that's guys it. fighting for spots. All veterans. That's the whole all thing. veterans. It doesn't matter. They don't care, and they shouldn't. No, their job is. Matvey Mishkov hurt. is not. Matvey Mishkov is in by no means in any sort of fucking like crunch to make the team. Honestly, it would be great if they didn't. Like, okay, well, we'll take him over here then. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, right? that's not that's not that's not something that's realistic. So, like, yeah, he's got some highlights. He's got a lot of them. That's that's just what it comes down. He does to. it like, on the ring. There's other highlights. It's real yeah. cool. One like he's going to do this as long as he stays healthy. He's going to do this all year, and it's going to be real fun. Uh, I had a I had a quick hit for today, and I don't remember. Oh, the uh, the Ninja Turtles movie is fucking excellent. Is it really? Uh, truly, I I was blown away by how good it is. The animation is sick. Uh, very funny. Highly recommend the uh, the Ninja Turtles movie. All right. Um, I'm Wait, not... Hold on. I didn't know there was a Ninja Turtles movie. Ninja Turtles and Barbie in the same month? Yeah, man. It's uh, Seth Rogen, 
put out a uh, a Ninja Turtles take, and it's it's really fun. It's it's cool. It's different than uh, stuff they've done in the past with the turtles. So, thumbs up from me. All right. So that sounds awesome. I'm actually gonna check it out. I had a great time. It was a very fun theater experience. All right. So the Flyers this week uh, actually did make a trade. There is something going on. They did something, uh, and it's. More than anything else, it's funny. It's funny for a couple of reasons. Because, first of all, it goes back to the Tony D'Angelo trade. Uh, we talked about, you know, or the non-trade that went through with Tony D'Angelo. Flyers and uh, Carolina Hurricanes were negotiating to send Tony D back to Carolina after a year in Philly. Of course, the league stepped in and said, somehow this is illegal uh, you can't, you know, trade a guy back and retain salary within a year. So you have to wait. And in that waiting time, a buyout window opened up for the Flyers. And they decided, you know what, screw it. It actually saves us money to to buy out Tony D'Angelo. So they go ahead and do that. And then the Hurricanes, about a week and a half later, sign Tony. Uh, and everything basically seems like, okay, well, the Flyers didn't get anything back, but they saved money, so I guess it works out. Well, no, <laughs> because they executed a trade with the Hurricanes this week, uh, sending the rights to David Kasha, uh, who <laughs> I forgot was with the organization. Uh, he spent the last and Charlie notably yes. hates. I spent the last. I, I don't. I don't hate David Kasha. I just he never believed. Hate him. I never believed he was an NHL caliber player. And guess what? He's not. An NHL caliber player. He's been in the Czech League for the last few years because he's not an NHLer, and that's fine. Great kid. Root for him. Not an NHLer. Taking my victory lap right now. Fellow Ginger. I was right. I was right. Continue. I mean, half half the roster's fellow Gingers. If Charlie believed in every Ginger, like, he'd have to, like, fucking stop covering the team because there's (laughs) no way he'd be able to... There's no way he'd be able to do it unbiased. Uh, You make an excellent point. But so... It's the Flyers execute this trade, sending the rights to Kasha, who they extended a qualifying offer to a couple years ago before he went back to the Czech Republic, uh, send his rights to Carolina and receive in return Massimo Rizzo and a draft pick. Of course, this was the return they were going to get for Tony D. The entire thing is just funny. First of all, Carolina (laughs) surrendered for basically nothing. What, like, some magic beans? A guy who doesn't play in the country anymore? Uh, yeah, that, surrendered that, that exactly raises, what, raises your eyebrows a little bit on what the actual trade was, doesn't it? It does. It does. When, uh, when you look at, and, like, they just allow this to go through after, like, well, the trade that is just straight up and fair, like, no. But this one, where we're just paying you back because the league just screwed this up. Like, okay, here, here's some other shit. Like, here you go it's the for ex- funsies. They got a 40-point defenseman for nothing. <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's The whole thing is just weird. Uh, and it gets to something we talked about last week. What the league does and doesn't allow and how they choose to enforce their rules. Like, three of the last four Stanley Cup champions are well over the, the salary cap. And it's and I don't even have a problem with it, but it's very obvious what they're doing when Nikita Kucherov just doesn't play the regular season. They can't fit him under the cap, and suddenly his injury is completely gone. Game one of the playoffs, like it's just interesting. And the same thing happened with Mark Stone in Vegas. Okay, but that's totally legal. They don't even raise an eyebrow at that. 
but the Tony D trade somehow, yeah, that that's a no go. That was just and then a this bridge trade too far. That was a bridge yeah. too far. But then this very clear, to me at least, very clear cap circumvention after the fact. That's fine. Like yeah, like he, there's there's only two possible explanations for this trade. And by this trade, I mean this David Kasha's rights for yeah. Um, it's funny. Every time I see this guy Rizzo's name, I want to call him Raleigh Massimino. Um, I don't <laughs> like that's just what sticks in my head, the old Nova coach. But yes, um, like Rizzo and a fifth round pick for David Koch's race. Like, this is objectively speaking, in a vacuum by itself, a really bad trade for Carolina. David Kasha, right? as I just said, is not an NHL caliber player. My understanding is David Kasha is still under contract for one more season with his Czech League team. So it's not even like they could bring him over if they wanted to. And then, to to, to add on to it, David Kasha's NHL rights expire in June of next year. So basically, what they traded for, they traded for a guy who is under contract in Europe for another year, and then doesn't they won't have his rights passed like June 30th of next year. So they, he's never going to play for them. Like... They gave up, and Rizzo's not a great prospect. Like, he, he scored a lot of points at University of Denver. He played with Bobby Brink. But, like, my understanding is the general league-wide scouting consensus on him is that he's, like, probably like a Jordan Wheel, like a Jason Ackeson, where he's going to oh. score, like, he's going to score, like, 40, 50 points in the AHL every year and not be good enough to play in the NHL because he's small and can't skate, but he's skilled. Um and then they got a fifth-round pick who, like, by the way, like, that's what they got for Kevin Hayes. So, like, you're you're giving, what, you're giving David, you're giving up a sort of viable prospect and a fifth-round pick for a guy who has absolutely no value at all. So, in a vacuum, terrible trade. Now, it makes a lot more sense, however, because my understanding, to go, to, to go back for a second about the original D'Angelo deal, my understanding of the original D'Angelo deal, when it almost happened, the trade, was that it was going to be Tony D'Angelo with 50% salary retained by the Flyers for a lower-tier prospect who we can now assume was this Rizzo guy. So it was going to be D'Angelo at 50% for Rizzo, no draft pick, deal done. Okay. What ultimately ends up happening is, and D'Angelo in that original trade, the the Canes would have gotten him at 2.5 mil for next year. He would have had $2.5 million cap it. What ultimately happens is because the Flyers buy him out, okay, then the Canes are able to get him at 1.625, I think, or 1.675, something like that. So, you know, about a million dollars, like $800,000, $900,000 cheaper on the cap, which, like, for a team like the Canes that's going for a Stanley Cup, that has value. It has value to save a little bit of money because you're trying to squeeze as much cap space out of that. So... What would make sense, a lot more sense than the Canes just traded for a guy and traded actual assets for a guy who they're never going to use, what makes a lot more sense to me is the Flyers and Canes worked out a side deal when when the NHL rejected the initial trade and said, okay, what if we buy out Tony? You then sign Tony for cheaper than you would have gotten him anyway if the original trade would have went down. So you save some cap space, and in return— after about a month goes by, you can trade for this guy who neither of us want, give us the prospect we were originally going to get in the D'Angelo trade, and throw us a late-round pick for the fact that we just saved you a million dollars of cap space. And, like, the thing is, is that no one can admit that. Like, 
I tried getting people to talk about it on and off the record, and everybody to a man involved in the trade is like, oh, no, this is on the up and up. Like, you know, the Canes really, really like David Kasha. They think they, they, they want to have control of his rights. Like, but the thing is, like, everyone has to play out this fucking farce because even though it's glaringly obvious to anybody who can, like, form rational thoughts and make logical inferences on what's going on knows what actually happened— Everybody just has to pretend that, oh, no, this is a real trade because the NHL wouldn't bend their rules for one time to do a trade that was in everyone's best interest in the first place. Like, it's just, it's hilarious, but also it's it's infuriating because the NHL should have just approved the original trade and then we wouldn't have to go through this bullshit in the first place. But what's funny about it is that they were violating a cap circumvention rule. And by canceling, negating, whatever, that trade, both teams end up saving more money. <laughs> like, the Flyers, instead of paying him $2.5 million this year, are paying him $1.6. Now it's $1.6 again next year, but yeah, that, that's who gives the a negative. shit? They're not yeah. spending to the cap. It, they still end up, like, whatever. Doesn't, and they, and they get an extra either. And they get an extra retention slot for this year, which could be valuable, as yeah. we talked about on past shows. Yeah. We talked about it before. The retention slot is going to be valuable because chances are they're going to be trading some people again and nobody has any cap space. And the uh, the Hurricanes get D'Angelo for the exact amount of money he's losing in the buyout. <laughs> so he gets back to his $5 million just because cause you get two-thirds the money and it's like one-third to cap it, whatever it is. But he's basically getting from the Hurricanes what he loses from the buyout. And the whole goddamn thing, the league is just so funny. Like, this stupid-ass complicated thing that they made both teams go through ends up benefiting both teams. Not a ton. Not like a whole bunch. But a 2025 fifth-round pick is better than no pick. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Tony D'Angelo at, like, at 1.6 mil is a lot better than two and a half. Like, it, the whole thing is just it's hilarious. It's to be noticeably better. Noticeably yeah. better. Yeah. The, the Flyers got another, like, not great asset, but at least something. And the Canes got more cap flexibility. So, like, it actually probably works out better for both sides than the initial trade. It's just the fact that, like, they never should have had to do it. No. The, the fact that the NHL was not willing to... Because, like, apparently what happened with that D'Angelo trade is that they... They agree to the deal. They basically fight out with the NHL, and the NHL said, we're not going to approve this. Then the NHL said, well, we'll listen to you guys at the draft. You guys can make your case as to, like, why you think we should bend the rules and let you do this trade now rather than wait until, like, the first week of July. They tried. The NHL wouldn't budge. But, like, so the NHL wouldn't budge on that, but they're willing to let this go, which is so glaringly yes. a cap circumvention. Like, it's just, like, I don't know if the NHL thinks we're all stupid or if the NHL actually yes. is just stupid. Ooh. I think the answer is yes. <laughs> like, I think both. I think the fact, like, they are stupid and they think that we are stupid. Like, there's there's a level. They think they are smart, yes. but they're really <laughs> dumb. And they think that we are dumber okay. than them. No, that's, I, that's that, that definitely, like... They are the dumb one who thinks they're the smartest one in the room. 
And it's like, well, look around yes. at professional sports. You're you're not as good as the other ones. Like, so nope. Like, you have a team that doesn't have a, a place to play, dude. Like, you know, I, I whatever. It's just that is exactly the the explanation is they think they're geniuses and they're of average at best intelligence <laughs> and they think everyone else is stupid as shit yeah. and it's like no I'm just not dumb I see what has happened because I'm not an idiot like <laughs> to to just we know that they have the details of the trade because they had to disallow the trade which means like the league got facts <laughs> And so they know it was like, yes, we're sending Rizzo to the Flyers for this guy at 50%. And, like, now they have the evidence in hand. Oh. Huh. So they basically did it anyway. Oh, they got us. Like, <laughs> the whole... <laughs> Oopsie doopsie. It's like, they... I, I don't even know how to describe what I feel about this entire thing. It's just the NHL being the NHL. Yeah, it, it's all it is. classic NHL. Yes. Classic NHL. But in terms of... I'm tickled. It makes me giggle. In terms of... After, you know, 30 minutes of this show about... We say all this to say... This trade is going to have no impact on either team, basically. Very little. I mean, could Rizzo get signed at some point by the Flyers and they give him a shot and he becomes, like, a guy who gets a few NHL games here and there? Yeah. Yeah, it could happen. Like... I mean, he's not a worthless prospect. It's not like Dave Akasha, who has very long ago given up the dream that he's going to be an NHL player and is perfectly happy playing in the Czech League with his brother Andre, who signed with his same team for next year. Like, Kasha's good. He's he's fine. He's not coming back anytime soon. So, like, yeah, the Flyers get a fifth-round pick and a prospect who, like, maybe has a, you know, sub-10% chance of being something. Sure. And the Canes got a little bit more cap space because now they have D'Angelo at 1.6. Like, great. But no, it's not moving the needle that much. Like no. it's a it's a minor transaction that is made interesting by the amount of hoops that the NHL forced these teams to jump through in order to get something close to what they originally agreed to done. It's like the whole thing is just laughable because like you you pull some bullshit with Kucherov or Stone and it's like. Oh, players, people know. Yeah, we're not gonna do anything about that. A bunch of guys who are gonna have very little impact. Oh, we got to do something about this. Like Can't the best break the CBA involved, bill. Oh the God. best player involved by leaps and bounds here is Tony D'Angelo, who just got bought out by a team after a year. Like that's what we're talking about. Uh, but I had no idea Andre Kasha was over there. He was like good, wasn't he? Yeah, he's just had injuries. I think if he could, he could if he could stay he could healthy, play? if he could stay healthy, he'd be a good NHL player. But he has concussion problems, and I think, like, uh, okay. yeah, it's a whole thing. I felt bad for him because he's a talented guy. I think he could have been a legitimately good like middle six forward, but he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, I was just say at twenty six with Toronto, he had. 27 points, 14 goals. It's pretty All right. Regardless, that doesn't matter. We're, yeah, we're here he to... was the good Kasha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's usually what happens. Unless the Flyers have both brothers, and then it's like, oh, they both fucking They're suck. They're both bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Braden was, Braden was good. Braden Shen was he fine. Was he was a good player. Uh, listen, he was a good player. After they traded Luke, he was excellent. Well, not, Luke let, was let, bullying. Let's not go, let, let's <laughs> not go that back. far. Luke was a... Decent third pair defenseman for multiple teams. I wouldn't say excellent. 
I'm, uh, no. Let us, it, please. It had nothing to do with it had nothing to do with Luke Shen's play. I fear he was bullying Brayden. And once <laughs> you got rid of that presence, Brayden was able to break out. He was like a point of game player my after they traded. Thing Luke. About the Shens. My favorite thing about the Shens the shape was of their, their Desi platters. They oh. would go out to dinner and then just ask for like a platter of desserts at the end. Like they don't care what it is, just bring a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, that tracks. I would also like to take a second to point out that both of them are Stanley Cup winners. It's true. They are. With not yeah. the Flyers. They both got rings. Luke uh, Luke has been a big part of like a bunch of teams. Uh, he's back to playing like every night again. After being a part-time player, he plays every night now. All right. Anyway. It's wild. Um, let's do our commercial break here. And I have to write it down because I'm editing this week. So we're around here-ish. Uh, and on the other side, we'll talk about, I don't know, some other shit, and we'll wrap up the show. All right, welcome back, fam. Uh, we just ran through the whole <laughs> Tony D'Angelo, Carolina Hurricanes, Philadelphia Flyers, Massimo Rizzo saga that has unfolded over the last month. This whole thing has taken a month to come to fruition. Like, it's truly... One of the most ridiculous off-seasons. For an off-season where very little happened after the first couple of days, this saga has really can, been something else. Can, can, I, can I add one more thing in here before we close Yo, the book please. on this? Because like, Absolutely. I, and, and to be clear, like... I can't believe you want to make a point on a podcast. I never want to talk about this trade. And I will say this trade as, like, the collective whole of the, of the, yes. the buyout and then the actual trade that wasn't a trade. I never want to talk about this again. But what I do want to say... Even though this is an on the whole a minor move that like the guy they get with a fifth round pick probably is never going to play an NHL game, Rizzo might play five or six at most if he even gets signed. But it does speak a little bit towards like Briere being a more creative general manager than Chuck Fletcher because like I have serious doubts that like this would have ever gotten done with Chuck just based on his track record. Like, like this strikes me as, like, a creative way to solve a problem that the NHL stupidly made you have to solve. But, like, if, I don't know if Chuck would have been able to do it. You know what I mean? If, oh. An excellent point. Excellent point. If, uh, if this happened and Chuck Fletcher was the GM, would Tony D'Angelo be on the opening night roster? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Without a doubt, yes. Like, the buyout window would have closed, and he would have been like, ah, fuck, I slept in. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. No one answered my text. There's not a doubt in my mind if this went down under Chuck Fletcher, they'd be like, well, we're stuck with Tony, I guess. Like, that is what yeah, I no, believe. Yeah, no, totally. That is what I absolutely believe, and no one can convince me otherwise. That is an excellent point, Charlie. No, it's canon. Uh, <laughs> there's... Some stuff going on around the league. I mean, nothing, nothing super interesting. Um, I guess the biggest thing though is Eric Carlson. Like that is that is a legitimately big move. Obviously, I don't think anyone, even coming off the Norris season, like I don't think Eric Carlson has that same luster he had a few years ago uh, when he he left Ottawa for San Jose. But this is still. It's still a very obvious we're going for it move, and that's, man, 
when when the Penguins hired Ron Hextall, I thought this is the the incremental. We're not going to go too far one way or the other, guy. That's not what you do when you still have Crosby and Malkin. Like, even though they're not what they used to be, as long as you have them, you go for it. And that's what they're doing here. It makes sense to me, right? Oh, yeah. It does, but it's infuriating. Can't Ron go back and just ruin them for another couple of years? (laughs) The thing is, though, is like, yeah, they got Eric Carlson, who is quite a good player still. Obviously won the Norris last year. But, like... I don't think getting Eric Carlson, given the fact that like all of their all of the the core three of you know Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, like they're all old. They're not as good as they once were. They're still good. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. like they're not superstar gonna carry you to a cup good like they were in their late twenties, even their early thirties. Now, yes, this makes the Penguins better. I do not think this makes the Penguins one of the four best teams in the Eastern Conference, let alone one of the four best teams in the NHL. So, like, all this is really doing, which, like, fair. I'm not even saying this is the wrong move for the Penguins. But, like, all this is doing, in my mind, is making it so they get another two or three years of being a relevant playoff team with Crosby, Malkin, and Letang still playing. Which, like, cool, like— they probably should do that because, like, they've gotten their cups. Like, let's let these guys go out, like, being relevant rather than playing for a shit team that's trying to rebuild. That said, like, I don't think Eric Carlson makes the Penguins a cup contender. So, no. if you're worried about them winning cups, like, I don't think this moves the needle that much. They're just not a good enough team to, like, they're not a good enough team in my mind to, like, beat, say, the Devils, the Canes, and the Leafs in three straight rounds to get to the get to the Cup final, which is like probably what they would have to do. Like, no, they're not that good. Unless like Sidney Crosby like drinks from the fountain of youth for two straight months. Yes, let us not Ew. forget. I just don't want to hear about them okay, anymore. Fair. Let us not forget that this Pittsburgh team blew its lead on the uh, on the Florida Panthers and missed the playoffs entirely last season. Like, adding Eric Carlson, listen, Eric Carlson's still a very good player. Just had a 100-point season and won a Norris Trophy. Um, Didn't help San Jose much, though. You know, like, they fucking sucked, too. And I I think it's a good move for the Penguins. Like, this is the type of thing you do when you have what they have. You keep going for it. And if I'm a Penguins fan, I am hoping it signals more about like, what we're gonna do than this being, okay, we're done. Like, if I'm a fan of that team, I'm thinking, all right, they're gonna keep pushing for this. They're gonna try to bring in more guys, figure out some more creative ways to milk every last bit of this, uh, you know, this run with this historic roster out. But this alone, you know, it'll make it more annoying because they're gonna beat the Flyers by a couple more goals. But they had a negative goal differential last... Like, they had a negative goal differential last season. This is not a very good team. No, it's not. And, and like, yeah, they might make more moves. Like, Kyle Dubas is a smart guy and he's a good GM. So they might make more smart moves and get a little bit better. But I don't think it's... Even if they make a few more smart moves and get a little bit better, like... I don't think it's making up the gap between them and New Jersey or them and Carolina or them no. and even the Toronto team that Dubas left behind. Like, they're just not that good anymore. And there's only so much you can do when you're slammed up against the cap. Like, I don't know. Like, 
it's kind of one of those things where I get why they did it. I don't think it was the wrong thing for them to do, and it certainly keeps them relevant. But I also don't think Flyers fans should, like, go to sleep quaking in their boots that the Penguins are going to win another Stanley Cup next year. Like, they're, they're not that good of a team. The Penguins finished with 91 points, the same total as the Buffalo Sabres, who actually won two more games than they did. Yeah. Like, they're not that good. Um, it's just interesting. Eric Carlson has long been one of my favorite players in the league, despite playing, for now, both of my least favorite teams. Like, the goddamn Ottawa Senators, and now he's a Pittsburgh Penguin. Jesus Christ. Uh, but he, he's he's still pretty cool to watch. And we're going to get a little closer look at him this year, so that's cool. Um, is there anything else going on? Like, <laughs> I saw Charlie's boy, Matt Doomba, signed in Arizona. Is yep. this just another case of, is this just another case of, like, yeah, them, them middle-class free agents are getting priced out. Like, he just took a one-year deal. Hopefully he gets traded the deadline, and hopefully he gets more money when the cap goes up. He hasn't been very good recently, so that's part of it. Um, I think he was probably— Since when does that matter in this league? Yeah, fair. It doesn't. Never. Ever. Fair. Um, that said, like, you know, <laughs> like like Matt, Matt, Matt Dumba's done things like, you know, like speak up for social issues, so that could make him, like, you know, less attractive to oh, teams. Right. There's that. Um, he right. has opinions— yeah. Thoughts and yeah, feelings. We don't like that. We can't have that. So, like, you know, in comparison no. to someone who, like, might have sucked for four years but just keeps his mouth shut and is good old Canadian boy. You know, I don't know. Not saying that was definitely a factor, but, like, it might have been. Who knows? Um, that said, like, yeah, my guess is he was probably waiting on whether the Penguins couldn't get a deal done for Carlson. And then, like, if they couldn't, they probably were going to go sign, sign Dumba. And once they got Carlson, he's like, all right, I'll join Arizona and probably get traded at the deadline. So yeah, he's probably just looking to rehabilitate his value a little bit and, you know, maybe get the big long-term deal that he was hoping he was going to get next summer, especially next summer, because next summer the cap is going to go up as long as like, there's not another pandemic knock on wood. Um, there should be a big jump next summer in terms of the cap ceiling. And then guys should make more money. Hopefully guess we'll see. Anything else going on in this? Like this yeah. league is. I mean, it's I think just kind of. I think everybody's still. So I, I've been like really disconnected from hockey just in the past couple of months. I've been having a lot of health issues. I think I've talked about it a little bit here, but like we don't need to get into it. Except for August is Gastroparesis Awareness Month, so like read about that. Um, I was shocked to find out the other day that it was already August because July was so quiet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there was yeah. nothing well, in July. It, just, it was different this year. I think we talked about it on a couple shows ago where, like, over the last few seasons, things have happened deeper into July because free agency started later. Whereas this year was the first year probably since 2019. They're back on track. Yeah, probably since 2019 where the first day of free agency actually was July 1st. And, like, we're kind of back to normal where everything has pretty much died down by the end of the first week of July. So that was three weeks of July where nothing really happened, which is the way it should be when, you know, they're not desperately trying to get back to normal after the pandemic completely destroyed a season and whatever. Um, so I think that's a lot of the reason why July was so quiet and why it feels weird that it was so quiet 
because we're so used to over the last couple of years, July being real busy up through the end of July and even a little bit into August because free agency started later. That's right. an excellent point. I didn't think about it like that. We've had such a compressed schedule for the past couple of years. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. fine. I mean, I think honestly, least- well, honestly, like the only thing that's left really, and I guess we'll see if it ever comes out, is this Hockey Canada stuff. Like that that's that's the only lingering that's- story of the summer, and it just comes down to like, is it going to be released? And then if it is, when is it actually going to be released? And no one knows because that's on the NHL and there's probably a ton of lawyers involved and the players are probably fighting any potential revelations slash suspensions slash disciplines. And that's probably what's holding this up. That's my guess. Like that has to be made public. It's some, we, like, Bill, are they been, just going to, we've been saying this for a year and it still hasn't been made public. I so. know. I, I just, I just mean the idea that like it could be wrapped up and, discipline could come down and we won't like that's when we'll find out like they're just gonna be like hey some guys are suspended uh we're not gonna tell you why and like and that's that that would <laughs> like, be that's su- what they're gonna that would be i mean such an did, nhl thing to do uh, i i i say this as if we didn't just spend the first half hour of this show laughing at how dumb the fucking league is so yeah i suppose that it's definitely a possibility but that that does seem to be that like lingering story that we just kind of, we're all looking for some resolution on to actually find out if we're ever going to find out, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, how, how this is going to be handled. So I suppose we'll see about that. All right. I think, uh, I think that'll do it for today. Yeah. I think so. I think that's about it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. And guess what? Guess what? This weekend. At the Wells Fargo Center, August 12th, that is this Saturday, is the uh, Three Ice event. It is the Patrick Cup Championship. That's right. The Patty is on the line at the Wells Fargo Center. I had I had the opportunity to sit down with EJ Johnston, the founder and CEO of Three Ice, uh, earlier this week. Uh, if you didn't have a chance to listen to that interview, Guess what? You don't even have to go back and listen. We're going to tack it on to the end of this episode. Uh, so you'll have a second opportunity to listen. Make sure you check out 3ice.com. Check out uh, their $10 ticket deal there. All right, that'll do it uh, for Charlie, for Steph. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio, and today we have a very special presentation for you, a special guest straight from Three Ice coming to Philly uh, this weekend, all Saturday, August the 12th, uh, the culmination of a seven-city and seven-weekend tour. Uh, we have it at the Wells Fargo Center for the Patrick Cup Championship. And joining us today, the founder and CEO of Three Ice, EJ Johnston. Happy to see you today, EJ. How's it going? I'm great, Bill. That's uh, I'm exhausted listening to that intro. That's fantastic. Thank you. I feel yeah, that's I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, yeah, that's I, I like to bring the energy so people don't ever figure out like I'm just uh, I'm just faking it over here. But that's Love it. Uh, so we have a going to be really fun. You know, I've been talking to the, to some of the people at Three Ice to see what you have uh, have in store for us this weekend for the Patrick Cup Championship coming to the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, I just want to start you out with a real easy question. For the uninitiated, what is Three Ice? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's where we usually start. It is the NHL's overtime all the time. So we are a three-on-three professional ice hockey league that has captured the speed, excitement, skill, and creativity of that three-on-three session. We have an eight-team league. We tour around uh, North America, and our top four teams, as you said, are now in our championship. We call it the Patrick Cup Championships, playing in Philadelphia where the Flyers play, 1 o'clock on CBS and uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. But it is just electric, hair-on-fire, track meet hockey it is breakaways tic-tac-toe passing two on ones two on o's penalty shots we don't have uh power plays we just go straight to a jailbreak style penalty shot it is just a track meet hair on fire up and down the ice hockey on a full-size sheet it's great stuff and uh the fans have just been reacting to it so well this year we've improved our format just a little bit uh, it's great stuff it's great stuff well, that's what I wanted to ask you next. You uh, you bring up the format for people who are going to be down there or watching on CBS on Saturday. What can they expect when they buy their ticket, when they tune in? What 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 will they be seeing in terms of the uh, the format for the Patrick Cup? Yeah, so doors open at 12. Uh, we drop the puck at 1 o'clock, maybe 105. You got a warm-up skate uh, around 12.30, but you've got two and a half hours of hockey. We've got two semifinals, then a consolation game, and then a championship game. So our first game is... Yeah, Larry Murphy, Team Murphy, coaching against Ed Johnston, happens to be my father. So that's one seed versus the four seed. And then you've got uh, Team Bork versus Team Patrick in the two, three seed matchup. Those are the two semis. The loser of that game plays in the consolation game next. And then the championship game is after that. Uh, we've got several hundred thousand dollars on the line. We've got over a million dollars in prize money. You got about two and a half hours of hockey, and it is just go, go, go. We play two eight minute periods of running clock per game. So you got essentially eight periods, but four games. And it's just, uh, it's just great stuff. So it's back to back and it's relentless. We keep coming at you wave after wave after wave of games. Now, I'm glad you won, brought up your father, Ed Johnston, a five time Stanley Cup champion as a player and coach. He's the deputy commissioner of the league, he's coaching a team. He was a goaltender, EJ. Have you no regard for goaltenders with what you're doing to this league? Well, here's the thing. As a goalie, you're the only guy facing the play the entire time, right? So Grant Fear, I'll quote Grant Fear. he actually loves it. He loves high-scoring games. You get to be the hero. You're going to give up the two-on-ones. You're going to give up the, the breakaway goals every now and then. But when you make that save, it's kind of unexpected. So it can seemingly, on its on the surface, seem like it's torturous. But you actually get to be a hero more often than not. You face about 20 to 25 shots. Yes, you're going to give up three, four, five goals. But you're probably going to make 10-plus Handbell saves, like just a quality chances that you rob a guy and the fans just, you know, smack their foreheads and the, the jaws drop. So, yes, you get a little bit of torture, but you get a lot more hero opportunities as a goaltender. So I do love the goalies. We've put them in a good position to succeed in this one. Outstanding. Everyone knows I don't care about goalies, but it's something some of my <laughs> goalie friends were were asking about, like, son of a goalie how's he doing this to everybody but you get those highlights and that's what counts man yes. you get that engagement on social uh that's it so you mentioned grant Fuhrer, your dad there there's a lot of familiar names and faces with the league uh who can we expect to see on saturday yeah you've got all hall of fame coaches so uh unfortunately john leclerc did not make it this year he's coaching a team Guy carbono uh, Grant Fuhrer, they did not make it um, but in the games now you've got uh, larry murphy Ed Johnston, Craig Patrick, 
and uh, um, uh, Ray Bork, excuse me. Joey Mullins, the other coach, the eighth coach that did not make it. He had a great run last year. Uh, Brian Trottier won the uh, the championships in 2022. He's going to be here this week to present uh, the Patrick Cup to the new winners. Sort of a nice moment of continuity and, and sort of passing the torch, if you will. But you've got Murphy, Johnston, Patrick, and Bork all going head to head. It's a big deal, and I can tell you the uh, the coaches take it really seriously. Larry Murphy is a a bundle of nervous energy beforehand. Uh, Ray Bork has confessed that he didn't realize how fun and how competitive this was going to be. This is real big time pro hockey, and Craig Patrick is just dialed in. My father, I can tell you, he's eighty seven years old. He's the second oldest coach in the history of pro sports, but he is dialed in. It sounds when I hear him talk hockey. It is just like when he was in his 60s and 70s coaching still. He is talking tactics and strategy and picks and shadowing and breakout passes and all the X's and O's that he used to talk about. It's like I've gone back in time. My ear hears the same voice and the same words coming out of his mouth. So these guys are dialed in as coaches and the players are competing hard. It's, I'm glad you brought up the coaching because, you know, I think when three on three started in the NHL, it was just, it was a circus. It, it was just going absolutely wild. And we like the coaches hated it because it was very clear. They didn't have control over it the way they had the structure of five on five. But as it's progressed, we're now seeing teams kind of enact a lot more strategy. There's a lot more to it than just, hey, someone someone find the long breakout. You know, there's there's more to it than that. And it seems like that's what's happening with three ice as well, because the coaches are so involved. 100%. There is a lot of coaching going on. So you're trying to pick your timing, when to break out your matchups. You know, are you shadowing a guy? Are you putting two forwards and a defenseman out there? Are you putting two defensemen and a forward out there? Who are you picking to shoot your penalty shots? One of our great uh, tactics is we do not go to four on three power plays. We go straight to what we call a jailbreak penalty shot. Everyone lines up in the blue line behind the shooter. He strides into the puck and they chase him. The puck is live. So you've got to figure out who you're picking for shots, what your matchups are going to be. Um, when do you call a timeout? Uh, Coach uh, Joey Mullen last week got scored on, and he called a timeout to prevent the other coach from calling a timeout. It went to four to three. It was a one-goal game with about a minute and a half to go. And I noticed that he called the timeout so the other coach couldn't score call the timeout if he scored another goal. So there's gamesmanship, strategy, matchups, uh, and all of that good stuff, um, and when to pull your goalie, right? So in our matchup, you pull your goalie, you have to figure that out. Is it an early pull? Is it a late pull? So there's a ton of X's and O's by these coaches going on. Uh, I, what do you want What do you want fans to take away from Saturday's event? Like when they walk out of the Wells Fargo Center, what do you want them telling their friends who couldn't make it? You got to come and see this. This was unbelievable. It was an absolute track meet of end-to-end hockey action. I couldn't believe how fun it was. I couldn't believe what a great show they put on and the quality of play. We've got a third of our league is ex-NHLers. They are about 30 to 35. The rest of our league is in their 20s. Our average age is 30.07 years of age. To put that into context, the NHL is 27.4 years of age. So we got our young, fast, high-speed, high-skilled guys. Several of our players have just signed two-way contracts with the NHL. A bunch of guys have signed uh, contracts over in Europe in the Swedish League, the Finnish League, the German League, you name it. So the pleasant surprise at how fast it is and how entertaining it is, I want them to come away going, wow, I can't wait. When that comes back next year, I'm in, and i got to tell six, seven, eight friends that they should be watching this as well. Uh, EJ, you uh, you grew up in a hockey household. 
but you've got a background in Hollywood. So I have to ask, uh, what are your thoughts on the Writers Guild and SAG strikes? Now, I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I I am interested in how your work uh, writing and selling television has influenced what you've done with Three Ice, though. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, live sports is storytelling. You get to see something unfold in front of you. But what fans really love is the connection with, I'll call them the characters. I'll put that in quotes, the players, the coaches, everybody involved. You want to know the backstory, you know, you know, what has this guy had to overcome? Is he a father of three? Was he playing in Europe and resurrecting his career? Or is this guy a 24 year old that's trying to showcase his talent and get into the NHL? Like a guy like Hank Crone has just signed a deal or Eddie Matsushima, who's been a ECHL journeyman who's just now signed a deal with the NHL's Anaheim Ducks. So storytelling is important. You get to see that live game unfold. But, you know, I've had an interesting career where I spent time in advertising. I spent time in a big sports marketing agency, IMG. I spent eight years in Hollywood writing TV shows, doing uh, big shiny floor reality shows like um, Shark Tank is what we call a reality show and a big shiny floor like an American Idol. So bunches of those shows. So knowing how to tell the stories in the best way and setting up the, again, I'll call them the characters, to have the most interesting success. Um, we've built a format that we allow the players to showcase their speed, their skill, their hockey IQ, nifty mittens, just great rapport and creativity on the ice. So we've given them a, a platform to tell their stories from a hockey standpoint. And so that's the the Hollywood hat sort of being put on here and allowing our players to do what they do best because people aren't showing up to see me. They're showing up to see the creativity, the speed, the goals, scoring, the saves, and they're the stars of the show. And we know that and we try and give them the best opportunity to shine. See, as a as a huge pro wrestling fan, that's what I love to hear. It's about storytelling. Uh, yeah. So leading up to Saturday's event in Philly, yeah, you've been running a ton of cities, Pittsburgh, Hershey, Newark, Boston, just to name a few. Uh, three ice stops along the way here. Saturday's the end of the season. Can you tell us a little about a little bit about what's in store for uh 2024? Yeah. So uh, next year we are inviting the fans to uh, inform where we play. We've got uh, you can go to threeice.com and vote uh, and share your thoughts on the cities that we should be playing in. We're going to actually now make a, a pivot. We're going to tether our teams two cities next year. So making this up: three ice Pittsburgh, three ice Boston, three ice Minnesota. Those kinds of things. Um, so this week, we culminate with our championships. And then as we move forward uh, in Three Ice in 2024, we've got expansion plans as well. We'd love to have a made-for-TV event like the Little League World Series, Three Ice Kids. We'd love to have an opening act to showcase the women. Same buildings, just dropping the puck an hour earlier to showcase Three Ice women. Uh, we'd like to have a Three Ice World Cup. Uh, we're in conversations now with a team and arena overseas to have a country versus country version of that. And then someday, Bill, we'll have a Canadian version of this. So we'll rebrand what we've got now as Three Ice USA. Then we'll have Three Ice Canada, eight teams up there, eight teams down here, the top two teams in each one of those divisions play each other in what I'll call a Champions League on the same weekend as the, the kids. So we've got expansion plans all within the next 12 to 36 months that'll unfold. Um, but first things first, let's put on a great championship and crown a winner for 2023. I can't wait to see what happens. I, I get to be a fan um, about one day a week. You know, I'm working. I'm in a business capacity, obviously, um, the, the six days that we're not playing. But then on game day, I get to be a fan. So I, I love seeing it unfold as well. We've had shootouts we had an 11 round shootout or a nine round shootout excuse me in boston uh we've had multiple shootouts we've had games with goal score with a minute or excuse me a second to go um 
four or five goal comebacks in the second half. So it's just been a great, great season. And we're going to crown a champion again for our second year here uh, on Saturday. I'm I'm excited. You've got me more excited about it. I, I love your passion for this. I, I really hope we get to see this again in Philly. I'm looking forward to coming up on Saturday. So this has been great. Is there anything else you want to uh, tell our listeners before I let you go? Buy tickets on 3 Tune into Big CBS at 1 o'clock. And uh, Bill, bring down anybody you like. We'd love to have you. And uh, we'll VIP you. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, EJ. All right. That was EJ Johnston from Three Ice. Uh, You can check out a link to buy tickets to the event uh, in the description of today's show. There's also one up on my Twitter at Philadelphia. One, uh, we will be back with you later this week for the uh, full version of Broad Street Hockey Radio. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? 